Like if you're a listener, they they lost a bet and they have to see our faces yeah, if they're going to watch right. us on the stream. So I mean, literally. Uh, the and, face and for speaking rating. of, we do appreciate it when you watch on the Sarder Heyman live stream. Uh, you can see us on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter, and also on Allo Channel 951. If you'd like to be a part of the show, you can do that by calling or texting 402-464-5685. It is the Honda of Lincoln Hotline and the Sarder Heyman text line, mm-hmm. and uh, jump in be a part of the show because <clears throat> there's like. I counted. There's 194 different things that happened this week that I think we should talk about. Um, <laughs> what, well, what, let's get to it. What a crazy week, man. Uh, the starting gate represents the number of topics we try to cover each and every week. We try to make it a fast show. Here is the starting gate. It's Mike Melvin. Mike, take All it. right, so like I got whiplash from what happened on uh, Tuesday afternoon, Wednesday, Thursday, and then into Friday. So I'm going to start with the very first thing I jotted down for the starting gate was on Monday. Uh, kind of some big news. Skip Holtz was hired as the special assistant to the head coach uh, at Northwestern, David Braun, uh, getting a little bit of help from uh, 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 Lou's kid. Uh, at least Skip doesn't cheat like his dad did. Uh, then on uh, Tuesday, kind of Fred Hoiberg. Uh, comes out and says, hey, uh, or I guess it was the, the postgame presser on Monday after an 89-84 overtime win that Aaron Eulis is not going to play on the trip while they gather information on a uh, pending situation. What did you think it was going to be at that time? Uh, at that time, I I figured it was probably, I was worried it could have been like... Yeah, Grades P- or something P- like well, that? I was actually worried it may have been like PEDs. Yeah. You know, like like he's coming in, he wants to whatever. It I mean, sounded big. It's, yeah, it's, it's, man, it's, I mean, Hoiberg well, made it sound and, big. And it is. Even then. I mean, yeah. it's, it's much bigger than the big I thought we were going to get. Yeah, and the interesting thing was the news broke that said expecting starting expected starting quarterback for the Iowa State Cyclones, Hunter Deckers, has stepped away from the team as he has been accused of placing 336 bets totaling $2,799, including 26 on Iowa State sporting events. And of those, 26 on ISU, one of them was actually on an Iowa State football game. That was back on 10-23-21. It's a game that ISU won over, I believe, Oklahoma, 24-21. And he did not play in that game. But when that story broke, I immediately went, I know that there's been some stuff that I've heard rumblings about at Iowa. I wonder if it's gambling-related. And lo and behold, it is gambling-related. He's and, done, right? I mean, he's done not only at Nebraska, but he's done in his career. Yeah, so <clears throat> announced Wednesday morning, <clears throat> excuse me, Nebraska point guard Aaron, <clears throat> Aaron Euless charged with tampering with records. Yeah. That's what all seven of these uh, former Iowa State and Iowa players have been charged with. Euless alone placed 1,850 sport bets while at Iowa, with 740 of them being before he was the legal age of 21 to do so. Over $34,000. Over $34,000. So I had somebody that threw out there like, well, he must have been getting good NIL money, blah, blah. His brother played in the NBA, signed a big contract. Now, granted, he had injuries and he had to retire all that, but I mean, it's not like the kid's family didn't have money. So, um, And he used his brother's ID to get on this gambling yeah. site. So... The bigger issue for him, I, according to NCA regulations, if you gamble, it is one, you could be suspended for up to half a season or a full season, whatever it is. I can't remember the exact thing. If you gamble at all, then yeah. they find out about it. If you gamble on any of your school's games, not just your yeah. sport, you they can rule that you're banned 
permanently from the NCAA. So I, so, I, I vaguely remember what happened to Pete Rose. Yeah, so uh, you can't do this. Yeah. So it, in in just educated guess as to what's going to go on with Aaron Eulis, you know Coach Hoiberg is going to do everything he can to help the young man after basketball because I believe his basketball career more than likely in college is over. It's over. You just got to hope because betting under 21 in Iowa is illegal. And so he's going to face some other charges and he could possibly see some time behind bars. There's a couple big names on this list. I mean, it really affects Iowa State football, Hunter Deckers. Uh, yep. And he's still playing, right? He's still eligible at Iowa well, State. He, he was going to be their starting yeah, quarterback. He's going to be their starting quarterback. Uh, they lose their offensive lineman, Dodge Sowers or Saucer. Yep. Uh, they lose uh, Iowa. Aaron Blom, wasn't his eligibility over? Or is Blom still you know, Blom, eligible? Blom, Blom still had eligibility. He was the kicker, right? Yeah, and a really good kicker Yeah, at Iowa. Uh, he's involved at Iowa. They have a baseball player involved. There was a wrestler at Iowa State involved. So this yep. is a pretty big deal. But I would say the biggest name is probably Deckers and then, then Ulis. <clears throat> no. It really is. So since we're talking about Aaron Ulis, let's talk about the Nebraska basketball team and their trip to Spain. On Monday, they went in overtime, 89-84. Bryce Williams led the way for Nebraska with 28-5-4. C.J. Wiltshire had 18-10. Jamarcus Lawrence had 14 um, can we talk about Kale Jacobson, please? In the game on Monday, 13-9. and nine. By the way, Eli Rice had 12-5 and five in that game. Right. Rice led the Huskers on Wednesday to an 86-83 win in Valencia. He had 20 points, 11 rebounds. Wilcher, again, big game, 19 points, 8 rebounds. Williams had 16 points. Hmm, here's that name again, Kale Jacobson, walk-on from, I believe, Elkhorn, 12.7 boards. Then the Huskers rolled to an 82-64 win yesterday Led by a now fully healthy, by the way, Jawan Gary. I saw some highlights. He does not look. He's not wearing a, a support or any brace or anything that you can see on that he was shoulder. six for six from the field. <laughs> well, a couple of more dunks, so those help. But at but that's, time. that's a Jawan Gary type game. It is. But he goes for 13 and five. And then you had Eli Rice. Again, impressive. 16 points. Kale Jacobson. Again, 13 points. I think he had eight boards. Um and, and another one, Ramel Lloyd Jr., a guy that is probably going to see a little bit of time at He's at got to guard. play. He's yeah. got, they don't have a point guard. They don't have a true point guard. So he he was a guy that he didn't have, he never had a ton of points. I don't think he got in. I know he didn't get into double figures. But one of the games I know he had eight or nine rebounds. Um, another game he had like four or five assists. I mean, he's a guy – got to remember, he's a redshirt freshman. He's, he's not played at this level you know, with these guys in game settings yet. But he's another guy they're going to have to count on. But I'll tell you what, man, the Nebraska basketball team, they're missing literally five guys who could start game one. Yeah. And they, they figured out a way to win a close game in overtime. They figured out a way to win a game that they led the whole way and then things fell apart at the end, but they pulled it out. And then, oh, by the way, what's the one thing you want to do if you got a 12-point lead at halftime? You go into the, the third quarter. Now, I get it. Men's college basketball doesn't play quarters. The women's yeah. do, but they were playing quarters over there. You got a 12-point lead. Best thing you could do is go on an 18-0 run, and that's what they did yesterday. Who? Let me ask. I'm, I'm excited because I'm always excited, and I'm usually burned with Nebraska basketball. Who's your point guard? Who's the starting point guard on this team? Right now, I Because it would have been Eulis. I'll be honest with you. With what I read, I don't know that he would have started game one. As well, the they guard. don't have a true point guard I, I, outside of Eulis, though. No, and, and they they weren't necessarily going to play with one. I, I think it's going to be Jamarcus Lawrence. At this gonna, point, I think it might one. be. I think it's now it's got to be more than ever, Casey Tomanaga. I think he'll get he'll bring the ball up the floor, but I think it's going to be Jamarcus bringing the ball up the floor the majority of the time. That could change. Well, but, I, I would really like 
a guy like Ramel Lloyd to get into that picture. I, I, and, and he and he may and he he played a little uh, kind of with the ball yeah. in his hands as well over in Spain. Um, so the one thing that you notice that we've like I'm still going. There's other stuff by the way. Nebraska baseball added another arm yesterday. Right-handed pitcher Blake and Carcione yeah. from Friendswood, Texas, became the 13th known member of the 2024 class. Um, Last time I counted, they have too many guys on the roster again. <laughs> they probably do. They're going to uh, have to cut down by the time the season starts. Wednesday, I'm going to say non-surprising announcement came out that Nebraska safety Miles Farmer had entered his name into the transfer yeah. portal. Look for him to land at Syracuse. Just news. throwing it out there. I, is it, though? The, the, it, it, well, it's just something. It's I, I get it from an experience you standpoint. Well, and it, not only that, it's just a distraction. You don't need a big distraction going into the season. I agree. And it's the second one in two weeks. Bob Wager laughed last week, Miles Farmer this week. Granted. Uh, then also Tuesday was Big Ten Media Days for volleyball. John Cook compared freshman setter Burke and Riley to Bud Crawford. Like, this is insane. He goes, she reminds me of Bud Crawford. And this is his quote. She's got that look. <laughs> she's an assassin. I yeah. I hope she doesn't go to jail, but I, I know she's really good on the volleyball court. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, so... All of that happened, and there's like 18 other stories that I was going to touch on, but oh yeah, by the way, the absolute inept leadership shown by first Larry Scott out as the Pac-12 commissioner and new Pac-12 commissioner George Klivkoff continued this Well, he's week. done as, it, it, I mean, he has no job, so exactly. um, he's done as commissioner as well. Yeah, he, so um, yeah, the Pac-12 is no more uh, at the end of... Oh, Do you think they become the Mountain West? I mean, because you have Oregon State, Washington State, Stanford left, and, Cal. and Stanford and Cal left. And there were rumors that Stanford and Cal might come on over to the Big Ten. I don't think that's going to happen. I'm, I'm a little surprised that Washington and Oregon are there. I could see it. You know, you get Phil Knight money in the deal. And you get Washington but, Washington history. I mean, they have a couple of what, national titles in football. But you don't get Phil Knight money. Phil Knight money goes to Oregon. That's it, I mean, there's there's yeah, to, but to it me, help, I guess you know what helps helps one helps the helps all. I guess I mean, you you're getting prestige in that they're really good in in most sports. I mean, they're really good in football. Uh, they've Dana Altman's had a couple of down years in a row in basketball, but that's a pretty good basketball program. Uh, they've got a baseball team that's okay. They're a damn good volleyball program. They're a really good volleyball program. As is Washington. So you, I, I guess the Olympic sports is where they really add value, um, but football football is is definitely something that you can lay uh, your hands on and say that Oregon will bring some value to the conference in I that way. I, and, and I I'm going to throw out that I totally disagree. Washington and Oregon bring exactly nothing to the Big Ten. As far as money is concerned, you might be right, but they they bring much more than say. No. In my opinion, they, they bring much more than Rutgers and Maryland. They take money away. How many TV sets are up there that the networks care about? Zero. There's not enough of them. If How I many? could say, okay, I'll trade you Pac-12, Maryland and Rutgers for Oregon and Washington, you'd take that deal right now. I would. But Maryland and Rutgers was the mistake that they made several years ago yeah. that now we made again by taking Oregon and Washington. Not we, the Big Ten made. Uh, well, at least they're, they're going to get the $30 million. They're not going to get the full payout, similar to what similar Nebraska. What? Uh, by the way, Maryland and Rutgers got a bigger payout than Nebraska did. Um, I, I, I don't hate it. I do. Why do you hate it? I, I think it just, and now I get it. I'm old guy, okay? 
Call me a purist. Call me whatever. But this is insane. This is stupid. Did you also hate the USC and UCLA? Yeah, I don't like it. I don't like them being a part of the Big, the big Ten. What's going to ultimately happen is you're going to have a 32-team We knew Big that's Ten. where this was headed anyway. I, I get it. And the funny thing is, when you, when you get far enough down the road, what's going to happen is you're going to have the Big Ten at 32 teams, the SEC at 32 teams, yeah. and it's going to get split out, guess what, into divisions. The Pac-12 division it's, or the Pac-8 division, yeah. the, the Big 8 division in the Midwest – I mean, the, that's yeah, what's it's coming. Be, it's going to be similar to like the AFC West and the NFC you're gonna, North. You're going to have four eight-team divisions. You're going to get regions. In two conferences. So what's the big deal? I mean, it basically goes, you're basically going after you do that then, back to a conference. Let's fast forward and get that done. Because to me, this is idiotic. And especially for the Olympic sports. What it tells me is that something we all knew was coming. There's going to be 60 teams in college football that matter. Six years, yeah, whatever it winds up being. I think it's going to ultimately be two NFC, AFC, SEC, Big Ten. Right. Same thing. It's interesting that the SEC is standing pat and just kind of watching all of this. With 16 teams, they're happy. They've got their Oklahoma and Texas added, and they're fine. Now the Big Ten moves to 18 schools. I think as long as the Big Ten has gone down this road, go all the way down the road. Get Notre Dame, get Clemson, get Florida State. Everything I've read. What has happened here in the last week has solidified Notre Dame's desire to stay independent. Yeah, but, but that sounds good. And I know that they, I think their their contract with NBC goes through 2025, something like that. Yeah. And it's a good deal. It's not a great deal. Well, no, it's only like $30 million right yeah. now. But guess what it's going to be that they've already kind of let the numbers out? 75 to $80 million A for, year. For Notre Dame only. Yeah, well, Nebraska is going to be in that neighborhood. They're at fifty-five now, right? Yeah, and with the with the the deal that Kevin Warren promised everybody that was never going to come true because he lied. Um, it's ultimately <laughs> he gonna, lie. He didn't he, lie. He just didn't tell the whole truth. Well, yeah, that's right. And he he offered a game to another network without the other network that already had the rights to its permission. And yeah, he didn't lie. Um, at any rate, he he didn't finish a TV deal that he told everybody was finished. And let's face it, uh, is. As long as we're talking about this, the reason the Pac-12 is gone no more, and let's face it, it's gone, it's done, it's because it might become the Mountain West or whatever that is. The reason it's done is because they couldn't get a TV deal, a uh, TV deal done. Uh, Larry Scott blew it first, and Klevkop blew it second. Yeah, and they end up with this stupid streaming service, Apple TV, that's going to pay somewhere around thirty million, but more than that. Nobody's going to go to a streaming service to watch college football and then click out of it, unless you're a diehard fan. But the fun thing about watching college football is you can click everywhere, right? And you can't go to a streaming service, then it's a hassle to get out of it and go click around. So it was just, they presented one option, Apple TV, and what do they have? Ted Lasso? And that's it? And the morning show. And the morning show, and I think Major League Baseball is on one night a week, and they've got some other things, some soccer. Um, it was never going to be viable. And Colorado knew that the writing was on yeah. the wall. They, they bolt to the big uh, 12. Then you have Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah do the same thing. So actually, if you were to rank the conferences, the big 12 is looking pretty good right now. I think they're a solid number three with the schools they've got, especially adding uh, Utah, right? You know, two-time defending Pac-12 champion and probably three-time at the end of this year. And there's a part of me that wishes Nebraska would have just stayed pat in the big 12. And so... 
Well, I would have liked that league. A minute ago, you said, I thought you were going to go down the road. I don't hate being in the Big Ten. I don't hate being in the Big Ten, and I think it could be slightly sexy knowing that UCLA is coming and USC is coming. Maybe you can get into the, you know, the, the big complaint about leaving the Big 12 is you, you couldn't recruit Texas anymore. Well, now you can recruit California at a really high level. Well, it wasn't that we couldn't recruit Texas. It was that Bo Pelini, uh, Mike Riley, and Scott Frost chose not to recruit Texas because nothing has changed in that landscape. Well, Mike, since Riley, those three Mike Riley has gone heavy into Texas without any Texas schools. Well, uh, in, in Matt the Big Rule. Ten, yeah. Or Matt, I'm sorry, yeah. Matt Rule. But yeah, that's my point. Is that it wasn't that we couldn't? It was that 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 that, that Riley and Frost and um, uh, Pelini chose not um, to go to Texas, um, and they used the excuse, well, since they can't, uh, right. you know, their their parents can't see them play down there at least right. two times. Blah blah blah. Yeah. yeah, whatever. Or you're lazy and you're a horrible football coach. I don't I, know. I do think, and Matt Rule brought this up. You're now right in the middle, right? Uh, it it was. Something that we talked about. Hey, we're the San Diego. I think Matt, uh, Mike Riley actually talked about that. San Diego, the Big Ten. Yep. It's nice here. Yep. Sunny. A lot more sunny than Ann Arbor, Michigan. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> yep. It's got some sunshine. Got some nice people. And now you're, and Rule brought this up. I mean, you can get to either coast in a couple hours, yep. a few hours. If you're on the East Coast or West Coast, you're, I mean, that's a nightmare getting across the country. And, you know, everybody has jet lag. That's going to be a real thing. So I wonder if Nebraska might have a slight advantage in this. I, I think they do. I, I, like I said, I don't like it. It is what it is. Here's the thing. Whether Matt Rule likes it or hates it makes no difference. You know what he did? He goes, I have no control over this. I'm a, I'm a fan, right? Mm-hmm. So I can hate this and say I hate this because I just don't. I don't. It makes no sense. Um, I get why it was done. I I. I Maybe I would have done the same it's thing. It's money. Exactly. But and, and let's face it, the Pac-12 is not around anymore because they set say they just stayed tight. They had the the SEC can do that because they're the SEC. They win championships every single year. But when you're the Pac-12 and maybe even the Big 10, you have to maybe make some moves. And if you can if this leads to Notre Dame and Clemson and Florida State, Maybe we'll think differently about it in in another month. And that's how quickly things change. It could be another month. Very true. But, th- I mean, think about it. So, with what just happened in, in 2024, and the, the fun part about already doing an interview and recording it is you know what's going to happen, but Jalen Reyes will tell us and walk us through what it would be like if Notre Dame and Clemson and Florida State and maybe Miami yeah. – all wind up in the Big Ten. Because guess what? The biggest, baddest volleyball conference on the planet that anyone, it already was. That anybody could have ever dreamed of. Yeah, next year, they add three schools that are part of a group of only nine schools yeah. to ever win a national title in volleyball. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, just, it's insane. And you're going to get to the point now, even in football, well, definitely in football, where you're going to look at your schedule and you think, if we go eight and five this year, you know, that's amazing. Or eight and four in the conference. That's amazing. Um, or yeah, they're still going to play nine games, so you know whatever. Uh, but you're going to be looking at schedules and thinking, having a different outlook about what's possible for your team. And similar to the NFL, there are teams that make the playoffs right at uh, you know back in the 16 game schedule at nine and seven. Now you get 17 games in the NFL, but. 
it might be like that now. We're headed to that time in college football where, hey, you're 500. It's not that bad. No, but the other weird thing with, with you know, 18-team conference next year, it's a nine-game schedule. So how do you even come close to saying that, that you're going to – I mean, that's, that's the, the thing that I can't wrap my head around is, hey, we were the, uh, the, the Big Ten champions because there's no Big Ten title game, and, um, or it's going to be the top two teams, right? Well, one of those teams – what happens when one of those teams, their, their conference slate, regardless of where they're at, I mean, they're going to try to do a little mm-hmm. geographically – but, uh, you know, it's going to be Indiana and Maryland and Rutgers and um, Purdue yeah. and, you know, Michigan State. And that's five of their, their games. Boy, that sounds boring. But, but the point is, is what happens with, with the, the, the wheel of scheduling? Yeah. I don't and, know. And how, you have that, one, that's going to be a one team, you have I don't want to be that guy. Yeah, you have one team that winds up 7-2 and two or 8-1. Yeah. and one, to, to go head-to-head with an Ohio State, a Nebraska, a Michigan, a Penn State, I don't know, a USC, a UCLA, a Washington that is, or an Oregon that is also, or a Wisconsin, or a Minnesota that's also 8-1. and one. But the, the difference is, is one of them beat five other teams that are ranked in the top 25, and the other one beat five other teams that aren't even in the top 100 because they're that bad. Well, so you've decided you already hate it. Uh, you didn't even like USC and UCLA being added. I, I, the money, I get it, and that made sense. But at the same time, I still hate Oregon. Get, and, get rid of. You're definitely out with Oregon and Washington. No, we'll don't see like how it. Uh, BC feels. Yeah, can't wait uh, to hear. Brian Christopherson, uh, Husker twenty four seven. We'll talk to him a little basketball on the plate as well. The trip to Spain. Where does Nebraska go for a point guard? Do they need one? A lot of football questions as well for BC coming up next. <laughs> This is Sunday Rewind on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Welcome back, Tom Stevens, Mike Melby, Husker Rewind, every Sunday, 5 to 7. Just another boring week. Yeah, nothing going on. Nothing going on in the world of college football. I'm not sure why we had you on, BC. There's uh, really nothing happening. Yeah, uh, things are always... uh, Kicking around, aren't they? But, uh, <laughs> this was focused on the task at hand here in Lincoln. Uh, we go from uh, Big Ten media days and and then boom, uh, kind of a sonic boom in college football in the college football world. Oregon and Washington move over from the Pac-12, which basically causes the Pac-12 to collapse. I mean, it's over for that league. That's that's crazy. I I, I wouldn't have guessed that's how we would start the college football season. As an eighteen-year-old. Yeah. I let my mistakes kind of take over my life. I was sorry. There you go. No, that's all right. That's all right. Am I on? Yep. Yeah. 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 It's a, it's a little bit sad uh, to me as a uh, when I was a kid. I remember waking up and you could set your watch to you know I would look in the I guess it, for me it was the Omaha World Herald you know uh, box scores and the conference standings and you just knew who was where and uh, there were it was just sort of something that you uh, counted on uh, being a certain way. And so the fact that that's changed, obviously, is something uh, we've had to adjust to. I like Matt Rule's input on it yesterday, though, from his from Nebraska's side of things. And he's basically like, i got to just keep my focus on what's going on here. And, you know, as realignment goes, you got to make sure you're a nationally relevant program. You know, you never know what the next move is going to be. So the important thing is... Uh, even though Nebraska does have like 
blue blood status from the past, you want to you want to get this thing going again here pretty soon and make yourself um, you know a marketable program in a lot of ways as as people look over things with with all that's going on in college sports. So um, I ca- I can't say I have strong feelings one way or the other. I'm kind of a nostalgic guy about college sports, so I probably. Um, side more with uh, liking it how it was in 1992 sometimes, but uh, we've all had to adjust to a lot of different things. And um, I like the fact that it, it seems like over in Nebraska's camp, they're just like, let's let's just get better here and uh, win some games and and you know take care of ourselves for if something more is happening down the line. And BC, you know, you're exactly right. the The focus of Matt Rule and his staff this entire week really truly was on, you know what, let me ask you a question, Mr. Reporter, what can I control? That's what I'm worried about today, and I can control what we're doing in practice, you know, how I interact with my team, et cetera, and that's kind of where that focus has been. I'm with you, too. I just got done yelling at Tom that I hate having Oregon and Washington in. I didn't, I understood the money and the, the, the viewership getting the L.A. market with USC and UCLA, and I get where we're at in college athletics, but I, this is just dumb to me. Um, I ultimately think it's going to wind up being two 32-team leagues that are split out into, guess what, conferences or uh, you know divisions that are going to look a lot NFL like, model. Yeah, that they look a lot like they did back in 1992, like you referenced. Um, with all that yeah. being said, though, um, what, what are your thoughts with where we're at today and what domino do you see dropping next? Oh, man, I, I don't know what's next. I, I I feel the worst for like, you know, Washington state and Oregon state type programs, um, you know, kind of left out in the cold. Um, and obviously, you know, I, when it came down to sort of the standoff between commissioners, when the big 12 hired their, their guy and the PAC 12 hired their guy, um, you know, you would always hear different stories about who was going to come out on top and the big 12 played it better. And I think the big 12 probably helped themselves, um, and gave themselves a, a stronghold by the fact that they added some teams a couple of years back, which I think stabilized them with some of the TV execs and uh, allowed them probably better contract situations and made them more attractive to those Pac-12 teams that were desperate. So I don't know what's next. Um, honestly, um, I'm a little bit like uh, Matt Rule with uh, just with my beat. It's like I'm just, I kind of just like focus so much on like okay, what's happening in our bubble? What's happening with this team um, as the season's ahead? And I was sort of one of those guys who was just like waiting for okay, what's the headline going to be when it happens? And then I'm going to read up all on it, which I did Friday. But until that point, I got to be honest, uh, guys, I was I was sort of tuning some of it out. I mean, I knew there was always. You know, there was a lot of things shaking, but I was kind of waiting for the the end line on the story, and I don't know what the next one is going to be. But yeah, Nebraska's just got to they got to get this thing going so that they're an attractive program. If there's more stuff down the line, uh, knowing that what's here today could be definitely different five years from now or ten years from now, the way things are going. BC Husker twenty four seven, our guest. When I was growing up in the seventies and eighties, mostly the eighties and nineties, though. Uh, it felt like there were 20 teams in college football that really mattered. And in the 70s, there was no you know 25 scholarship limit. You could offer unlimited scholarships. And now with NIL, you can kind of get back to that. It feels like we are almost going back to a time where now only you know 20, 30, 40 programs matter. Yeah, there's a, there's a little bit of that. And I mean, sometimes it feels even different than that to me where it's like, 
there's four or five teams at the very top. And then I've often said you could put like team six through 45 sort of in a blender. And sometimes there's a six or seven team that mixes in there. I, I, I agree with you, Tom, there, though, there, there's about 20, there, there's, there's a fight to sort of be in that top 20 tier routinely. And you can, you can usually put most of those teams down in pen, but even within that tier, um, there's a select table, you know, like a corner booth of like four or five programs um, that everybody's really trying to get to. And um, it, it feels like it, it could be a struggle, honestly, to even things out. But we'll see if, the if you know, when we get to a 12-team playoff, what that does to things. Um, you know, wh- honestly, when the games start, it does have a good way of sort of getting everybody back on track and in whatever annoyances have crept up over the last eight, nine months, every off season, it tends to at least briefly go away when, when they put the ball on the tee and you're actually mm-hmm. watching the football sure. and you're hearing the fight songs and all that stuff again. So maybe that's what it's going to be in about three or four weeks. Um, I'm sure it's going to feel really weird for some teams that were left out in the cold, but you know, this is where Nebraska uh, was fortunate. We can, we can go back in time to, it's 2009, 2010, 11, when Nebraska uh, made a move to be in a stable situation. And, um, you know, since then, Nebraska really hasn't had to worry about these conversations that much about what's happening with realignment. So you got to sometimes go back to that and say, that's a pretty good deal, um, how it ended up for the Huskers, even though the on-field results haven't been what people have hoped. Exactly right. Uh, Brian, I want to change gears just a touch. Brian Christofferson from Husker 24-7 joining us here on Husker Rewind. Basketball. Um, An interesting week over in Spain, Nebraska. On the court uh, with five guys that could realistically start game one for him in the regular season, not playing. I thought on the court it was a great week. Off the court, obviously, the biggest news is Aaron Euless. And, and what's going on with the gambling investigation from his time at Iowa. I, me reading between the lines and kind of some tea leaves that you see, the young man's college career is more than likely over. I, I don't know how he would not, based on what we know of NCAA rules, because there is proof that he bet on games that were Iowa sporting events, which disqualifies him permanently from the NCAA. Um, but what do you th- make of the basketball program on the court and then that off-the-court stuff as well? Well, first off, on the court, I'm I'm with you. I thought it was an encouraging week over there considering the shorthanded roster they had. I think one of the things that was really positive was Jawan Gary, who you know is going to be very important for this team. And when he was in there, um, he was really good. I mean, he he just got things done in a short amount of time, like yesterday or the Saturday game. Um, You know, he had 13 points in 13 and a half minutes. And I think, um, you know, in the first – uh, four minutes of the third period they're playing quarters over there he uh had nine points and really helped nebraska put the game away so i think he's going to gain some confidence from that experience because you know you, you have that shoulder injury and you're feeling like okay i'm ready i'm ready but you still got to get out there and go play and have a dunk and have that offensive board and that stuff that just makes you feel good again and if it seems like he got that um, I thought Eli Rice, the freshman, from what we heard, and of course we didn't see any of the action except for just little clips, but um, seemed like he didn't back down from playing against older guys and um, had some really nice stat lines. And then sort of the fun story, we'll see if he can matter in the rotation when the roster fills out, but Cale Jacobson, you know, a local exactly. kid who um, 
you know, when you combine him and then Sam Hoiberg, who is rehabbing and is going to be healthy, um, as two technically walk-ons that are on your roster, that's pretty nice for depth purposes to have uh, those guys, the way Kale played. I mean, he played every position on the floor from one through five over in Spain. So that had to be a really confidence-boosting trip for him. And then uh, C.J. Wilcher also had a pretty good week, it seemed like, from a distance. So I thought that stuff was good. I thought, um, you know, with the Aaron Euless thing, um, yeah, it does seem very much like hazy is the nice way to describe that situation, very much in jeopardy. And then you, you know, you factor in today, they add a commitment from Jerron Coleman um, out of Ball State, who just went in the portal August 1st, six-year senior. Um, that maybe tells you the answer on that uh, <laughs> six-five point guard edition there. So I thought that was a big deal today to get a guy like that who played a little bit at Missouri, started 21 games there, has 86 college starts in his career, um, pretty good stat line, could maybe shoot it at a little bit higher clip. But, you know, this is a big old team now. Um, I mean, he's a 6'5 point guard, and you got 6'7 Bryce Williams, who I didn't even mention, who had a good week over there, and they love rink mass. And, I mean, this is a team where they have a lot of size and a lot of guys with a lot of college experience. It's just a matter of how quickly you can mesh that all together since, as we saw in Spain, even though they played well, a lot of the guys who um, are going to be important weren't involved yet. So you still got to get to that part where you get that chemistry going. BC, thanks for breaking the news to us. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Is it Jaron or Jaron? I can't say for sure on the pronunciation, I'm gonna, but if I'm you want to go, go with the nickname, it's Boogie. I like which is Boogie. Probably more fun for all of us. Exactly. Um, yeah, I was sitting there. Tom and I both looked at each other and went, uh, "Oh, wait a minute. Is this an upgrade? <laughs> is this an upgrade from Euless or about the same in your mind? What? Where do you think they land in this? Um, I I think if you're just going by what's on paper, um, it's very similar. Um, you know, Aaron Euless is a good player. He he. Uh, started a ton of games for Iowa last year and they made the tournament uh, wasn't a major scorer if you look at Boogie's um, numbers and his 86 starts he's sort of at Ball State averaged around that 13 to 14 point clip a game so he has scored uh, five you know kind of like a five rebound three to four assists per game type of guy so he does uh, fill a lot of boxes on the stat sheet and again he's six five. You know, he's a guy who's in his sixth year of college basketball, so I, I would guess by age he's like 22, 23 years old right now. Rink Mass is about that age. Bryce Williams is about that age. Um, this, is a, this is a veteran team as far as, like, just games under their belt. Josiah Alec, who I haven't said anything about, has uh, played a lot of college basketball. So um, I think they got a template last year with the guys they brought in, um, you know, with Bandamel and Grissel and all those guys who had played a lot of college basketball. And um, they saw how it could work when you sort of have those veteran hands who are used to when the other team has that 8 or 9-0 run that happens in basketball, you've got some guys who have been there, done that, and they don't panic. And they respond and they, they punch back with their own little run. So um, I think this is a pretty big get. And for all the worry the last week about the Eula situation and We'll see how that plays out. Um, I mean, they filled that spot basically if he's yeah. not a, uh, available now. So that 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 this is a huge story for Husker hoops. They've it, got all their scholarship spots filled now. It feels like an upgrade a little bit. He's uh, 14 points a game, as you mentioned, 3.8 assists, 4.9 rebounds, 
a little suspect maybe from the field, 38%, but 35% from three. I like the size at 6'5". Chose Nebraska over Michigan, Central Florida, Old Miss, Auburn, and Oklahoma State. So it looks like a pretty good get. A uh, big day for Nebraska basketball. That's, if you're going <laughs> to lose a guy like Ulyss, it's nice to get uh, a commit from a guy like Jerron Boogie Coleman. So a good day. Hey, I'm going to shift... Uh, Shift topic a little bit to uh, football. It is almost football season for Nebraska. Uh, how would you grade this offseason? It's been kind of weird. You lose, of course, your wide receiver core uh, coach in Bob Wager. Then Miles Farmer is uh, is leaving via the portal. You've had a few injuries here and there. How would you grade this offseason overall? I think it's been okay. Um, I'm not going to try to act like departures aren't big deals, but sometimes they're they're bigger than other times. And I feel like with what happened uh, with the position coach shakeup, which they had to do because of the off-the-field incident with Wager, um, I just think Matt Rule's one of those guys who has like a three-deep on his desk of young coaches where he's like, all right, who's next? You know, and he, he really looks at it that way. And in this case, it's Josh Martin, who, if you look at his time um, – you know, he worked at SMU for four years at the with the tight ends, and two of his guys got drafted. Now, of course, maybe he just had really talented guys that were playing for him, but it's it still is a credit to him that he was involved in that. And he does have, um, I think, some good special teams experience, too. He was a special teams analyst initially at Nebraska, so he can help out and wear a few different hats in this role. And from what we were told, you know, from uh, Nate Borkercher, who, you know, he said, Josh Martin just sort of hit the ground running and it's, it's, it just didn't seem like it was a huge deal to the players. Like they, I think they moved on pretty fast. So um, it's never what you want to have happen three days before fall camp to have that with one of your coaches, but it does feel like um, it hasn't been a major topic over there. And then I would say about miles farmer, because this is just the truth of it, Tom, he was, a. I don't know that he was going to start. Uh, I know he had a lot of, uh, you know, under his belt, like a resume of, of starts from 11 last year and 16 in his career, whatever it was. Uh, but if you go back to the spring game, you know, he was second team um, uh, on the second defense in that day. And I, I think it kind of from what I had heard that I don't know that he was higher than that. Um, so you don't like to lose veteran guys on the back end and Marquise Buford, um, not being probably ready at the start of the season is actually more concerning to me because I think Buford's a really uh, good player if he can get healthy. Um, but you're hoping that guys like Gifford and Omar Brown and Deshaun Singleton and Corey Collier sort of meet the moment. And, you know, people who tuned into the BTN show, if they want an opinion outside our bubble, you know, Donardo and, and Griffith, one of the things they pointed out was the secondary actually having a lot of depth and probably being a standout spot for them. So I actually think they're going to be okay about the farmer thing. Um, again, not trying to sugarcoat it, but that's just the way I feel when you saw what was happening in the spring and where things stood. And Isaac Gifford got major kudos from Matt Rule the other day as sort of being the alpha on the back end right now. So, um, is is Gifford ready to become take that jump that like sort of Jojo Doman made when he was an upperclassman at the very end of his career? I've kind of used that comparison before, and if he could do something like that, it would obviously be huge for this defense. Brian Christofferson from Husker 24-7 joining us. Um, 
One last question I want to ask you, and it's about the end of the scrimmage slash practice yesterday and the video that the athletic department tweeted out with the water balloon fight. Um, the the culture, the camaraderie, the everything just is so different from the prior staffs, you know, plural. Um, what what do you make of, of stuff like that that goes on? Because like it didn't seem like anybody was mad about getting smoked with a water balloon. Uh, it, it, there's a lot of togetherness going on right now down at, uh, at Memorial Stadium. Yeah, I think they've worked hard to do that. But at the same time, I think there's a balance between that and also um, understanding who the sheriff is and that there is a certain tone that is set and expected, a standard that is expected. And if you sort of deviate from that, it's not going to be good for you. And I think that's what this team needs. Like, you know, it was sort of underplayed amongst the first week storylines, but caught my attention. Like when they sent Josh Fleeks home for a little bit, um, you know, that's a guy who played for uh rule before and really knows his staff. And he was overweight. He didn't come to camp quite ready. And so they said, you got to go home for a bit. And you don't think that gets guys attention, you know, like, okay, this is a guy who's been around the block with his staff and, um, you know, nobody's beyond uh, having to meet a certain requirement for what's expected over there. So um, I, I think those that stuff is important, that you have that balance of stuff where you can have fun and you realize, like, this doesn't have to be um, just a, something that stinks. I mean, sometimes camp can be really rough and it can get long and all that stuff, and you gotta you got to lighten it up along the way. Um, but I also think you do have to have that accountability. And I think there's a little bit more of that than there probably was, um, previously. And we'll see if that matters when it counts. I think over time it will, the first season, there's going to be bumps in the road. There's going to be some guys who really buy in and some who don't, but, um, you know, right now I, from what you hear, it, it feels like it's tracking in a very good way and guys are starting to believe in it. Hey, BC, thanks for the time. And thanks for the breaking news on the yeah, point exactly. guard commit. We appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks, yeah, BC. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah. Uh, there he goes, uh, BC, Brian Christofferson, Husker 24 And real quick, I know we got to jump to break. Waterboy off the uh, Sutter Heyman text line. The answer, is Boogie eligible this season? Yes, he is. Oh, yeah. That's why he was brought in. Let's talk about Boogie. I think we Because he's got a great nickname, and he looks like he's got a pretty good resume as yeah. well. Yep. Uh, we'll talk about him coming up next. This is Sunday Rewind. On 937 the ticket and the ticketfm.com. Welcome back to the Husker Rewind here on 937 the ticket and the ticketfm.com. Big thanks to Sarter Heyman for our Sarter Heyman live stream. You can watch the live stream on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter, and also on Allo Channel 951. Join the show on the Honda of Lincoln Hotline or the Sarter Heyman text line 402 464 5685. Big thanks to BC. Jumping on the VIP line, brought to you by Aloe Fiber, where you we know he, understand he, the importance of exceptional service with local heart. Sorry to interrupt you, no but you know, you know, he was on our show, and he had the breaking news, but he also wrote the article on Jerron Boogie Coleman. So I, was he writing as he was talking to us? I know he's that talented. Um, I think you and I, like, I was talking to Austin. Austin's going to be in to, to produce my show here in, in, a, in another hour or so, and uh I was like, when did this happen? No, we and, both looked at each yeah, other like it just had happened, not it, very it, soon before we had BC on the air. Yeah, it, That's big news for Nebraska basketball because I, I was really – I one of our topics tonight was going to be how do you – do you need a point guard? Do you need to go out and get a point guard? Uh, 
And this looks like not only did they go out and get a point guard, they got out they they got a point guard that's maybe better than Aaron Eulis. Well, the one thing I Boston and I were just chatting about this, and I said the the one thing that I always wondered about Aaron Eulis was they talk about how he started thirty two games at Iowa, and my question was how many games did he finish? I don't care if he started when it was crunch time and it was the end of the game. Was he on the floor? The answer was no. Not a great shooter. It was not a no, great shooter. I mean, I'm not saying he's a bad player or whatever, but it was just one of those where it's yeah. like, you know, is was he the guy that was knocking down 90% of his free throws in the last five minutes of a game because he's the point guard and he's going to, you know, take the grab the ball, make sure he gets fouled. Um, but he wasn't on the floor a ton at Iowa at, at near the end of the game. But regardless. Well, credit Hoiberg and his staff uh, for being aggressive. I mean, this guy was on the market and Nebraska snatched him up rather quickly. He's a sixth-year point guard, so he has experience. Played 30 games at Ball State a season ago. Was All-Mac, second-team All-Mac. He played uh, for former Husker assistant Michael Lewis there at Ball State. Averaged 14 points, almost five points, or five rebounds, I should say, and four assists per game. You wonder about the three-point shooting, but Nebraska has a number of three-point shooters, so I wouldn't think you'd be able to hone in on him. And he has shot like 47% in his career. Uh, well, I'm just 30, saying, he's at 35%. That's not bad. Three, I, that's not bad. And he's big. He's 6'5", 210. Uh, spent one year at Missouri before uh, returning last season to play for the Cardinals in Muncie, Indiana. At Missouri, he started 21 games in the, the 21-22 season. Averaged 8.6, 3.4 and uh, rebounds and 2.8 assists a game. Uh, so, nice resume. I mean, and you don't, again, you don't need him necessarily to average 14 points a game. Well, I don't I'll think t- he I'll is. tell you right now, if he comes in and averages 14 points a game, then we're going to be scoring about 130 a game because there's some guys that can fill up the bucket. The um, one thing, though, I mean, it, we're, we're all happy about it just because I'm really we, happy we were about wondering it. about do, do they need to go get a point guard? Obviously, Fred Hoiberg felt I that they, they did. And the, the key question right now is – how does he fit in and get along with the guys? You know, I, granted, it's it's not his um, name. His nickname is Boogie. How could you not like a guy nickname <laughs> but, of Boogie? But but on the floor, chemistry wise, you know, he's got a very limited amount of time here because uh, you're looking at basically August, September, and October. So he's got 90 days ish of of some pickup games, some practice time, some time in the weight room, et cetera, with his teammates to kind of get used to him, to understand the way yeah. things work here. And the, the nice thing is I have heard a ton of coaches. Uh, this goes back to my early days when I started uh, helping out with the Nebraska softball team, doing play-by-play for them, and, and all through hockey stuff. A head coach says you want to be good, get old and stay old. Yeah. Five words, get old and stay old. He's old. And – yeah, Fred eighteen got plus it. six. I'm guessing he's twenty four. Yeah, I mean the 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 number of games and years of experience on the Nebraska basketball roster this year is is substantial. And it's they're impressive. not alone in this. I think a, a lot of teams are yeah. getting older just because the transfer portal has become so popular, and because of COVID, uh, made everybody just a lot older in the world of college basketball. But I think this, you know, this allows you to maybe groom. Jamarcus Lawrence to become the next point or, you know, Kese Tamanaga uh, to play point this year. I think you've got now options is what I'm saying. Maybe Ramel well, Lloyd does become the point guard, but I I just thought you needed a guy with experience to play the point, and now you've got one. 
Well, yeah, I was going to say, K-State's not going to be playing as much point as he was if no. if uh, Boogie Coleman was not going to be playing for Nebraska this year. Right. I can tell you I, that right I now. I just think it's a, it's a great pickup. And I'm excited. They, they go 3-0 and in Spain, and they, they had very few players available. Yeah, they, they only had nine guys available. And, and Cale Jacobson, and it, it, it's, he might a, it's, play a, this it's year. a great story and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, man, this young man went out. Bottom line, what do you do when you are presented with an opportunity? Yeah. Do, do you shy away from it, or do you take – the the challenge head on and do you run with it and i mean kale jacobson had an opportunity this week uh over in spain to get some quality minutes and let's see he ran the point for a while then he was a shooting guard for a while then he was a small forward then he was uh playing the four and then oh by the way he played in the post he played all five spots all three games and and put up solid numbers i think he was double digits every game he had seven eight nine rebounds every game um tell me if you got a kid his size with his versatility that can give you 10 minutes and five points and three boards a game or or three points and eight boards a game. I mean, we saw the value of another walk-on, Sam Hoiberg, who didn't play in Spain. Uh, This gives you another option. Also, I'm a little excited uh, on the improvement of C.J. Wilcher. He had a nice trip to Spain. He played really well. He rebounded well. Uh, It sounded like he passed the ball well. He could still shoot it. Of course, that's the biggest thing that he brings. Um, he can, I didn't hear a ton about Jamarcus Lawrence, but we know what he can do. You didn't have Blaze Kata available. Uh, you didn't have Kese Tamanaga available. You didn't have a lot of guys. Bryce Williams did play. Eli Rice was impressive, but Josiah Alec was not available. Right, uh, Rick Mask was not available, and yet they still went three and zero. That was pretty good. That was a pretty good trip. Oh, it really was. And and you got quality minutes for a young man, Ramel Lloyd Jr., who's uh, going to figure into the rotation in some way, shape, or form this year. Uh, I know one game he had eight or nine rebounds. Uh, never lit it up from a scoring standpoint, but it seems like he played solid. I, I, I never want to – I always have said I am a bigger basketball fan than I am a football I, fan. I've always said that as well. But I'm so stoked about both sports right now. And, and quite honestly, I'm really excited about the baseball team moving forward as well uh nebraska athletics as a whole just i mean nebraska athletics fans yeah stop for five seconds and think about this you've got matt rule who everybody thinks is is doing a pretty good job and you know maybe this year isn't uh you know a, a 10 and 2 and a surprise the world shock the world thing maybe it's an 8 and 4 maybe it's 7 and 6 whatever it winds up being um but football's trending right yeah, basketball <clears throat> basketball seems to, you know, Fred has found a formula. It seems to be working. There's tons of promise and some now proof to go with that promise. Volleyball, insane. Uh, oh, my gosh. And then Ronda Ravel on the softball team adding uh, Jordy Ball and the baseball team. Rob Childress coming back. Look at what St. Clair did with the, the uh, track and field team. I, I mean, every sport at Nebraska right now, you've got to be excited about it. I'm excited. Um, despite the fact that they did lose Miles Farmer this week and there, there's that injury to Marcus Buford Jr., I want to talk about the, the defensive back room because we thought at one time, if it wasn't the strongest position group, it was close to the strongest position group. With the loss of Farmer and Marcus Buford, is it still? Let's talk a little Nebraska football. That's uh, partly why we do a show. Every Sunday night, 5 to 7, Mike Melby, Tom Stevens, back with more after this.